Hey everyone and welcome back to Crypto and Things, now called Tech and Things. I'm your host Scott Cunningham aka Scottsy Business and we are officially back in business. I'm going to be mainly doing these once a week on Sundays, possibly more, and trying to put out one video a month on something that I find to be a very big topic. Uh, less so tutorials and things like that, more so big picture ideas. The next big topic I would like to focus on, aside from you know, everything that we're going to be talking about in this episode, which is all about CBDCs, as well as some of the things that I'm sort of uh, finishing off with and what we're going to be looking at in the future. Uh, what I'm going to be doing for my first video back will be the cost of centralization, focusing mostly on stable coins, uh, blacklists that are being used with stable coins, and the toll that you then have to pay for privacy, freedom, accessibility, etc., along with the literal higher fees. And we'll be diving into all that at some point in the next month. But for now, I'm going to just briefly talk about what we're going to be diving into for this episode before we look at my sponsor for this episode, and then we're going to dive into everything. So first, we're going to be talking about my hiatus and what I'm doing going forward. I'm going to be talking about what's going on with blockchain social media, as well as sharing some of my first impressions of Threads, Meta's new social media app copy of Twitter. I'm going to talk a little bit about my crypto portfolio and how I'm sectioning things off there. Not going to be doing so much uh, public reviews as I've been doing and tracking of all of that. I'm going to be taking that a little bit more behind the scenes and focusing more on big picture stuff. I think I've made the point that I need to with that content, and I'll talk about that a little bit more at length. Uh, and then finally, the most important part we're going to be focusing on is CBDCs, BRICS new gold-backed currency, and the latest BIS report, which is the Bank of International Settlements on CBDCs and physical asset tokenization, and why I'm very concerned with the oncoming crisis that we're going to be facing financially and otherwise for privacy, freedom, etc. with CBDCs. It is coming, and we need to be much more prepared and aware of this coming concerning crisis. So, a quick word from my sponsor, and then we're going to dive into it. A big thank you and shout out to our sponsor, Apex One, that offers the benefits of a cryptocurrency exchange combined with AI to maximize your profits. Plus, they don't require KYC, so check out apexone.ai today. It's important to note that, first off, only 284 more days until the next Bitcoin halving, so that's big. I'm very bullish on Bitcoin. We saw that uh, BlackRock, the largest firm in the world, is now opening a Bitcoin spot ETF, so it's looking very bullish. Uh, BIS said that banks will be allowed to carry 1% to 2% worth of cryptocurrency as their reserves as of January 1st of 2025. That is some years away, but a lot of this is painting the picture for a very, very bullish run in the next few years, so I'm very excited about that. And um, yeah, so my hiatus lately, I hadn't actually posted an episode since November. It's been quite a while. I've been very focused on my day job and, you know, my day-to-day -day work. Take, I took some time off. Um, I felt a little burnt out with the content I was making. I felt like I was creating content that is already out there and I wasn't providing a unique enough perspective, but I felt that I had to continually put out as much content as possible so I was kind of grinding everything to the bone. Now I'd like to do a more general laid back 
one like 30 minutes to one hour podcast every Sunday and then have a very big focus topic as a video for the month. That's going to be my aim for now going forward, uh, but we'll see how things change. And, you know, I might do more, I might do less. We'll, we'll see how this all plays out, but that's generally the focus going forward. And I've changed the name of the podcast to Tech and Things to better reflect on how I want to pivot going forward. I don't want to just be locked into cryptocurrency and blockchain. I'd like to be a little bit more generally focused on AI, cybersecurity, decentralization, everything with the oncoming digital transformation that we're seeing coming our way. And I think all of these play together and blend in very well. And I wanted the podcast to reflect that a little bit more, not be sort of pigeonholed into just crypto because, you know, a lot of crypto videos you see these days are just clickbait. And, you know, I'm not trying to do that at all with this channel. I'm very fine with having a smaller channel that is much more more focused and uh, a little bit more meticulously researched, but maybe not as um, glassy and fun to listen to, but definitely informative and important. So going forward, I'm not going to be focused as much on blockchain social media. While that's been a massive focus of mine in the past, I haven't really seen a lot happen in the way of blockchain social or even decentralized social alternative platforms in the past four plus years of all my reviews and all my work. And I think I'm sort of beating the dead horse at this point by trying to continue to review and audit these when there isn't a lot of progress being made. I will still be checking in and monitoring these platforms. And if there is something important, I will definitely be letting you guys know. But going forward, I think it's a waste of my time and your time for me to so aggressively focus on blockchain social with such little development. Um, and I'm sad to report that given the amount of time I've invested into it, but I think I can confidently say that there's not a lot going on there for now, but I still believe in everything regarding blockchain social. I believe that it is better for privacy, freedom, uh, so many different things, you know, actually truly owning your content, etc. But a lot of them fail to live up to that. And those that do, do not have the audiences they deserve and it's sort of a rock and a hard place between having what you actually are looking for for decentralized blockchain social media platforms and actually having reach and visibility so going forward it's not going to be as big of a focus but uh, that is the end of my blockchain reporting before we move on i do want to also share my initial thoughts on threads threads is the new meta platform uh, where they're basically copying Twitter and I believe if I'm not mistaken they're actually being sued by Twitter over trade secrets so my understanding is because they've done a really good job of censoring on threads that's one of my concerns there but they've done a great job of trying to downplay the lawsuit between Elon Musk and Twitter uh, against threads for hiring ex-Twitter employees and getting trade secrets. So it's not just because they're copying them, it's because they're actually le legitimately, supposedly, doing something wrong. So we'll see how that plays out. But some of my initial thoughts when I started using threads, and a good warning for everyone who's listening, is that your accounts are inexplicably linked together. So if you create a threads account, and you really want to delete your Threads account, it's only 
created via Twitter and you can only log in via Twitter and it's inexplicably tied to Twitter. The only way to actually delete your threads account is to delete Twitter. I mean, not, not Twitter, sorry, Instagram. It's inexplicably linked to your Instagram. And because of this, you know, that could cause issues. If you really do want to delete it, you would have to delete your Instagram as well and start over. And they know this. So they want everyone signing up and, you know, they've got over 100 million users, but that's not surprising when you can really easily just pour it over. But are people really using it? Not so much. People are just kind of starting their accounts, lurking, not a lot of interaction. And one of my biggest points was that a lot of Instagram users don't actually like or use Twitter and thus posting their statuses isn't going to really make sense. Uh, Twitter is more so of a news platform than anything else, and that is not at all how Threads is being used. It's heavily censored. Uh, there's even warnings when you go to follow people that they might have spread misinformation, and things like that are just not a good way to run a platform. It's not ideal when you go to follow someone and they're giving you censorship warnings. You can't access Threads from the general web, so you can't use it on a computer which is very unideal and going to make it very hard for companies to really use it effectively when you can't use scheduling applications, etc. Maybe that will be fixed, but these are the initial impressions. You can hide the number of likes for your posts. We already know this is bad, um, especially with like YouTube. It's a little bit more reasonable on Instagram because you could say, oh, well, it's mostly personal profiles and people you know, need that for their own mental health. But when we're talking about like YouTube or places with public discourse and debate, it's very not healthy to have public sentiment hidden because then we don't really know what's going on. And um, that is very, very bad. When there's no consensus amongst people of if something is good or bad or, gen or the general perception of that content, I think that's very damaging to have that. Uh, IG users, they're really just not focused on statuses. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out. It's very bare bones version of Twitter. There's very to, little to no features. Um, the feed is very poorly arranged. It's not a very good algorithm. And um, you don't necessarily have like your own unique user handle. It's just attached to your Instagram. So again, Instagram is kind of the overlord here and you have your little underling account. But I don't know how it's going to play out so far. I'm not super thrilled about it. Something that I also find interesting is, you know, a lot of people are switching to threads because they say, oh, well, Twitter has makes you pay now if you want to have um, verification. But the meta verification is extremely more invasive, double the cost almost. Uh, it's $12 for Twitter blue and $22 here in Canada for meta verification on Instagram. But luckily that covers you for Instagram and threads which is nice, but it's much more expensive. They also require your actual ID. Even to change your profile picture, they need you to resend in your ID. So it's very invasive and they are you know, fully linking you to your account, whereas Twitter just asks for your phone number. Anyone can have multiple phone numbers, etc. So I think it's much better what, Insta uh, what Twitter is doing because you just have so much more room for privacy, etc., less censorship. Uh, versus what Threads is doing. I'm still going to use both, but so far I haven't really been utilizing Threads nearly the same as I have 
Twitter, and all the other status platforms that I post to, such as Mines, um, Bastion, Torum, Gab, Macedon, and Getter. These are just a handful of accounts that I still use because they're very easy to use, and ease of use, including web access, is extremely important. All right, moving on from threads, um, going to be talking a little bit about my investment journey coming to a close. I'm still going to be investing, but I'm not going to be publicly tracking it in the way that I was, similarly with my journey around blockchain social. So currently I am over $200,000 in my portfolio. I'm not gonna give exact numbers anymore. I'm just gonna give you know general specifics. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of an oxymoron, but currently I'm 49% in Bitcoin, 49% in Ethereum, 0.75% Litecoin, 0.25% in Dash. Those last two are really just so I have a little bit of uh, spendable cryptocurrency that I can easily use in places that accept it, like BitRefill, you know, wherever you can spend it, uh, Bitcoin well, etc. The rest are all kept on uh, hardware wallets. Previously, I had just use ledger but given what they've been going through i've started to expand more and um lower my risk like spread out my risk a little bit so i have multiple hardware wallets and stuff now not going to get into what i'm using i'm just going to keep it all a little bit more vague for security reasons going forward and i'm only holding three etfs now going forward which is fccd which is fidelity xei which is iShares, and vdy which is vanguard um, these are just Canadian ETFs that are holding a handful of accounts that I think are fairly good. I'm not nearly as focused on my stocks as I used to be. I'm much more passively investing and uh, much more focused on Bitcoin and Ethereum going forward. Again, as I mentioned, BlackRock has opened a Bitcoin spot ETF, so I'm very bullish on that going forward. So now we're going to move to the bulk of this episode, which is talking about CBDCs, BRICS, and the Bank of International Settlements. We've previously talked about the Bank of International Settlements and their report um, where they said that they were going to allow banks to hold up to 2% in crypto reserves, quote unquote, such as Bitcoin from January 1st of 2025 and onward. So that is very, very big news and that's very good to see, but we won't really see the effects of that for quite some time. And they do say such as Bitcoin. So this could be, you know, in an idealistic sense, this could be very big. This could be how we'll get to, you know, a very, very high value in Bitcoin. Because as I mentioned in a previous video, according to Statistica, the top 15 banks in the world hold about $3.1 trillion of fiat valued in USD. So if 1% of all that money or even, you know, let alone 2%, but we'll just say 1% to be conservative. If just 1% from 15 of those banks was set aside for Bitcoin, you would have nearly $31 billion of USD coming into Bitcoin. At the time of valuation, based on the supply that we had and the price, this was July 24th of last year. So this isn't necessarily accurate today, but that would have been pretty much all of the liquid supply. I'm sure this is different now. There might even be less Bitcoin, but uh, it is valued more now. So there would be, it would cost more, et cetera. But at that time, that would have been all of the remaining Bitcoin. I could recalculate it with 
you know today's prices but that's just to give you an idea that it wouldn't take a lot of banks to buy out all existing bitcoin and then creating a supply crisis so that'd be very interesting to see how that would affect the price i would expect it to double triple quadruple go to the moon as they would say but uh we won't worry too much about that let's talk about cbdc's first and foremost so if you go to cbdctracker.org you can see a very well updated updated as of july 14th um chart and sort of interactive global map that gives you an idea of where cbdc's are being launched when they're in uh research phase proof of concept phase pilot when they're fully launched and those that have been canceled. It's a very good overview. Um, you can see here, I'm just looking at this. Uh, Canada has two in the works. Like some countries have multiple. In the United States, they have three in research phases. Uh, in Canada, we have the E-Dollar and Jasper, which are in the research and pilot phase. So there's a lot going on all around the world. Um, there's a lot of proof of concepts going on in Asia. So very, very interesting. Definitely take a look at that map to sort of see all the countries that are participating in this. There's over 100 countries that are already in one of these phases for CBDCs. This is absolutely coming and coming very quickly. And even beyond that, beyond CBDCs, countries and governments are adopting uh blockchain in general right we see countries like south korea coming in with blockchain ids google is starting to accept uh, crypto we see mastercard starting to work with banks to potentially offer a uh, solution with paxos for you to be able to buy cryptocurrency at the bank a lot of this stuff is really good but it's also really concerning because once we do have CBDCs and crypto being bought through the bank, it's highly likely this will become centralized closed systems, meaning that the Bitcoin that you'd buy through the bank will be held by the bank and not by you. For people who don't understand any of this, they will just opt into these systems because they've been ported over very seamlessly and they can do it all through their bank as they traditionally have. To them, it wouldn't be any different from buying stock. The difference on the other end, though, would be that the bank would be starting to stockpile large amounts of crypto and thus having control over that crypto and having a more centralization of decentralized cryptos based on holdings. This is already happening with the likes of PayPal, Wealthsimple, and other stock exchanges like Robinhood that are selling cryptocurrency directly but they're holding it all in their own wallets and you're not actually holding it. As I've said in the past, the only ways you want to invest in Bitcoin, there's three ways. There's the wrong way, which is investing through payment platforms, stock exchanges, etc., and buying it directly, but they hold it. The better way, if you want to do it more simply like that and have more security, FDIC insurance, is to buy ETF, spot ETFs like BlackRock has just launched because then you have your FDIC insurance. In Canada, you can invest through a tax-free savings account. You have much more security and flexibility and options. However, it is still important to consider that cryptocurrencies trade 
And if you're buying the stock, you can still only trade it during stock trading hours, which is approximately nine to four ish um, in Canada here in my time zone EST. And it's only, you know, during the week, not on the weekend. So if there was a massive, you know, pump and dump on the weekend, you might be left holding the bag. Not that I would be that worried about the volatility, but it's something very important to consider. Now, I would say the best way to invest in cryptocurrency is to buy it directly from exchanges that do not force you to KYC and allow you to buy your crypto and then hold it in your own wallet, withdraw it, put it in a hardware wallet, and um, and you know not worry too, too much about it after that. That's the way that I do it. Plus, I have multiple hardware wallets and I go, you know, steps beyond what you even need to do. But that is the best way to start. Now, CBDCs will get in the way of that and they will allow us way more liquidity between regular financial markets with the banks and cryptocurrencies. But I'm more concerned that with that initial boost, which will be great, then they will have much, much more control which is negative, which was what we've seen with PayPal, Wealthsimple, etc. In fact, uh, even for small purchases through something like Wealthsimple, they will be sending reports to your bank and the, your bank will be contacting and they'll be contacting the government as well and then they'll be coming and auditing you. I know someone very close who this has already happened to and they were shocked to find that a very, very small sale they made with cryptocurrency directly through a stock exchange was tracked, reported, and then they were forced to go through an audit. You do not want to be dealing with these kinds of problems. You either want to be investing through your TFSA here in Canada or just through your general stock exchange, buying ETFs, spot ETFs, and having that FDIC insurance and doing everything above the board. Or you want to try and go at a little bit more risky, a little bit more decentralized and buying it directly. You do not want to be going the middle of the way and having all the negatives with none of the benefits. Mind you, none of this is financial advice. If I were to play devil's advocate and someone would say, but there must be some good things with CBDCs. Well, as I've said, there will be a massive boost for liquidity. That is good. Likely, they will be covered by FDIC insurance, which is good. But again, you could just have your money normally covered by FDIC insurance, or you could do it through. Uh, buying your Bitcoin in the stock exchange. So it's not a huge improvement. And having everything under one financial system is definitely easier and more convenient. But again, you know, there's there's a lot of costs to pay. So let's talk more about the cons because there's a lot more cons that we're going to have to deal with than there are pros. So fast and far-reaching monetary policy could be enacted immediately very easily and widespread they could be you know as an example calculating your esg scores on demand um, you bought your plane ticket with your cbdc you took your travel you filled your gas they've calculated your score it's too high and now you cannot take that second trip that you've been planning that's a more dystopian look at it but that is definitely much more possible if everything is in one system, because what people might say, okay, well, they can already sort of do that. Yes. But there's no standardized like metadata attached to every transaction in nearly the same way. And it's not, it's different systems, etc. If there's one system 
that everything is using. It will have all the same metadata. It'll be very crawlable for them to go through and find what they need and you know start making changes based on that. It will be much, much easier to do all this stuff with a standardized, you know, one ecosystem for them to work within. This could be automating your taxation, right? And, and any penalties, uh, blockchain-based identities tied to your accounts like South Korea. And that sounds kind of useful because, you know, you could just automatically sign up for a stock exchange without having to give your ID, etc. But then everything and everywhere you go is full KYC. Basically the end of anonymity because likely we will see cash sort of go to the wayside with CBDCs and they'll be trying to push this, you know, outright. And the last one, which is what we're going to expand on a little bit more in the recent uh, BIS report from Bank of International Settlements, they recently made this report and put it out as of June 20. 20th I believe yes June 20th so as of June 20th they put out this report called blueprint blueprint for the future monetary system improving the old enabling new and while it's a very very long report 34 pages uh, the gist is they're very very pro on CBDCs and using them in a way that is superficially beneficial but in the long term very very bad for privacy freedom anonymity etc and in theory you know they want to start also doing physical tokenization and this is something that i never actually considered until looking at this report that they want to tokenize your physical assets and have that on the cbdc blockchains as well so everything you own they want to know that you have it know who owns what and this will just give them much more control over everything so in theory if you were thinking about this like in a good way it would be like if your bike was stolen but it's provably linked to your blockchain identity you could then show the police and prove that that bike is yours and have it returned to you but what i would expect more likely in reality is because with CBDCs, who really owns it is the person who controls the blockchain. So that would be the bank actually owns your bike, not you. You are just at the leisure of your bank allowed to continue keeping it. But they could remove it from your account at any time and now it's technically no longer yours. So what would likely happen is you would actually go and file a dispute with the bank instead of the police. And the bank would contact the police on your behalf and the bike would be brought to the bank. And then you would go through a process with the bank to try to get it back. And, you know, who knows how hard that's going to be or how that'll play out. But that is much more a likely scenario if they own your tokenized assets, which is what would happen. You would not own them. And this always brings me back to that thought of the WEF's 2030 prediction that you will own nothing. This sort of spells that out for me, but you know, we'll see how that goes. Thinking along the same line of logic, you know, you would likely be offered very different financial options because of this. For example, backing loans with physical assets and objects, 
Uh, if you went bankrupt, the bank could much more easily repossess your items completely digitally. There's a lot of different ways that this would happen. It would be very, very clunky and poorly run, that's for sure. But that is definitely what they're exploring right now. And I think tokenized assets is an interesting concept, but very dangerous if it's 100% centralized. And this report spells that out. And I'm going to leave links to that report as well as the CBDC tracker for you to check both of these out yourself. We're going to pause momentarily to give another shout out to my sponsor. Thank you again to our sponsor, Apex One AI, a great cryptocurrency exchange that offers farming, DeFi, AI, liquidity pools, and much more. Get started on apexone.ai and start trading all your favorite cryptocurrencies today. This could definitely be a very big play for cryptocurrency in general, but I'm more concerned as to where this will take us um, closer to that 2030 prediction. That is, that is my fear. Anyways, that is everything for today's episode. Um, you know, thank you so much for sticking through and listening, and I'm glad to be back. I'll be doing the cost of centralization as my first video back. And next Sunday, I'll be talking about centralized exchanges, why to avoid them, the importance around KYC and why you don't want KYC, what decentralized exchanges I recommend you use, and why you should be using them as well as swap exchanges over using centralized exchanges. And eventually in a video, I'll be doing a full review of all the exchanges and what I think you should be using. But you'll get the gist of that in next week's episode. So thank you so much for tuning in. And... I'll see you next time.